Imagine That Studios and Karu Studios in association with Harper Voyager Books presents Tales from the Archives, Volume 2 The official anthology of the Ministry of Peculiar Occurrences Let me see. Case number? No. Country of assignment? No. Let's try primary agent. So where are we in the world today? From the dreary, dark dankness that is the archives. It appears, by the look of the accompanying notes from Agent Alvey, we are in Southeast Asia, Siam. Agent Alvey, you say? Before my time. And mine. It's a shame this case was lost, as Agent Alvey here was quite the note-taker. He appears to have kept meticulous notes on this particular... What was that? Whatever it was, it just fell into my tea. Uh, From yesterday. I'll fish it out in a moment and top off my cup properly. This case, it seems, is centered around the legend of the Canarii, a winged creature of speed, strength, and grace. Hmm... Ah, thank you, Miss Braun, for topping off my tea. Sorry, Welly, I was just dumping out the teapot. Absolutely disgusting it was. Shall I put a fresh kettle on? Well now, what did fall into my teacup here? A ring. Plain old gold ring. A gold ring, yes. Plain? Never here, Miss Braun. Never here. A Swan in Siam by P.J. Schneider Fall, 1863 Pai Lin watched as the airship descended with hisses of steam and flapping fabric as superheated air was released from the main balloon. Passengers appeared as tiny figures in the windows of a large enclosed gondola. The crew piloting the western behemoth cut the engines and glided the rest of the way using only the fin-shaped rudders to adjust their descent. The huge conveyance made a ponderous landing on the emptied courtyard, cleared at the order of the king. The royal guards surrounded the courtyard in force, determined to provide proper protection. And worthy warriors they were, on the ground. The skies were Pailin's jurisdiction, and she studied not only the wonder of Western technology, but also the air around it for potential danger. Like the guards, she had sworn her life to the protection of the King of Siam. But her commitment to his majesty and his royal household stemmed from a much older legacy. Of late, Both the king and the English governess he had hired to educate his household in western ways required a guardian of Pai Lin's unusual abilities. As if summoned by her thoughts, the Englishwoman strode out into the courtyard alone, heedless of the order of introduction, though Miss Owens never let anyone forget she was a proper British lady. She was still a member of the king's household, and should have given some consideration 
to Siamese customs and courtesies. This one time, Pilan experienced no annoyance. Who could, seeing the unfettered joy on the other woman's face as she greeted her British countrymen disembarking from their airship? Pilan was alone too, and far away from home. The king's retinue advanced once the British delegation had their feet on solid ground. She moved with them, staying close to the king, yet remaining unobtrusive. The core group consisted of eight individuals of various comportment. Each held a position in British government, and it seemed as if all were in good cheer, having been greeted so warmly by Miss Owens. Pylin's sensibilities were also mollified as each broke off conversation with the teacher to properly greet the king. A ninth individual approached, younger than the more august visitors, and yet he carried himself well, with confidence and capability. He bowed low to the king. Agent John M. Alvey, at your service, your majesty. The king's brows drew together. Agent, explain to us this title. Her curiosity peaked as well. She listened eagerly for the answer as she assessed the rest of the British entourage. Servants, bodyguards, secretaries, and even a mistress had accompanied the delegation, bringing the total party up to a score and more. Straightening, Agent Alvey stood several inches taller than his companions, head and shoulders over most Siamese men. And yet, very purposefully, he was careful to step back so as not to stand directly over the king. Out of respect, all of the king's subjects demonstrated their reverence for him by bowing low to the ground in his presence. I am an agent in the service of the crown, your majesty. The king waited, one eyebrow raised in eloquent inquiry. He was a very intelligent man, capable of great patience when he desired to hear what others might have allowed to go unsaid. The young British man cleared his throat and tugged at the cuff of one shirt sleeve. More specifically, I am an agent of the Ministry of Peculiar Occurrences. Ah, the king nodded, and what peculiarity has brought you to Siam? Well, your majesty, a colleague of mine had the pleasure of visiting Siam many months ago. Enthusiasm lit the young man's face. Pylin found herself liking his energy. However, there was an unfortunate incident during the time of his stay, and at the scene of the untimely death of another visitor, my colleague found a swan feather. Officials here in Siam didn't seem to feel it was associated with the investigation, so he brought it back to England. We found that the swan feather had several peculiar properties. You are looking for a swan? In Siam? A difficulty, the king mused. If our advisors can be of help, they will give you what aid is possible. Another man stepped forward, portly and much older than Agent Alvey, and apparently lacking Alvey's respect for Siamese customs. Approaching the king without reverence and standing too close with his head higher than the king's. If you please, your majesty. We would like to present you with a gift. It is well known you have a great liking for Western technology. We've brought a musical device for your pleasure. If I may? 
The king nodded, though the tightening at his jaw clued Pai Lin to his annoyance. The heavy man leaned toward the back of the machine, reaching to turn a large key. Several cranks turned various gears, visible in the admittedly fantastic device. After a moment, steam puffed from several pipes and music came forth, surprisingly delicate and complex. Much like the mechanical music box Pai Lin had seen in Miss Owen's private rooms, this machine played an enchanting melody. However, it was not limited to a single set of tones. No, it played melody and multiple harmonies in various tones as if many instruments were hidden somehow within the device. A few of the king's consorts clapped their hands in delight. Even the king rubbed his chin in fascination as he studied the moving gears. We thought your majesty would like to listen to it during dinner, the portly man made the suggestion with a pat to the machine. Yes, we would be most happy to listen further. Inspiration lit the king's face, and he gave them all a broad smile. I have a most talented dancer. She will perform for us during dinner to this western music. Patoi! Pai Lin hadn't intended to watch over the king and Miss Owens during dinner in quite so obvious a manner. Normally, she performed her duties to greater effect as a servant in the background. Still, dancing to the lovely music made by the strange machine of clockworks and steam would be no hardship. She did love to dance, and it was always interesting to see foreigners' reactions to the style of Siam and of her own people. Such a beautiful country. Everyone has such lovely smiles. Pai Lin scanned everything and everyone in the room but the speaker. If she looked at the speaker's artificial smile one more time, she might be too tempted to beat it off her face. Instead, Pai Lin maintained her composure, kneeling unseen to one side amongst the servants. Really, the flora and fauna are amazing. And yet Morel del Mort, the mistress of the portly British ambassador, continued a lively discussion with Miss Owens, heedless of the awkward silence from the king's advisers. Must those men dressed in orange and yellow wander about begging so? We saw them at dawn as the airship approached for landing. It is the way they get their breakfast, Miss Owens clarified, and what they don't eat they give to the stray dogs about the temples. Outrage burned through Pailin, and she would have balled her hands into fists if not for the ornamental golden nails on each fingertip. Miss Owens, at least, should have known better with her time at the palace. Though the English teacher fulfilled her duties, educating the royal household, she spent little time learning the culture of her environment. If you'll forgive the edification, ladies, the young agent Alvy spoke up, I believe the practice of the monks making their procession from home to home is, in fact, a favor to the people. They are providing the opportunity to make good, or gain positive karma, if you will, by donating, 
the people make their offerings out of respect. Pai Lin looked at the agent of the British crown in surprise. Peculiar, indeed. She wondered if peculiarity was a requirement for the position, and in this case, a pleasant addition to character. But hardly proper behavior, Agent Alvey, the fat ambassador huffed. Both British ladies glared at the young man, flags of color blooming on their cheeks. Miss Owens seemed ready to counter when the king suddenly laughed. <laughs> on the contrary, Ambassador Woodfork, your subject has you. He looked to Alvy, nodding in approval. You have done extensive research on our country, Agent John Alvy. Our ministry has robust archives, Your Majesty. We try to preserve knowledge for the future. Research is very important to us. The king grinned. I would research your purpose more also. Pardon, Your Majesty? Tell us more of this bird you search for. How is it strange? Ah, Agent Alvy took a sip of wine. I'm sure Your Majesty is aware swans are not native to tropical Asia. We thought perhaps swans had been imported for the royal gardens. However, my colleague saw none during his time here. And perhaps the royal gardener would have to look into acquiring a few pairs for the future. Pailin would consider exerting a drop of magic to influence the decision, as it would be to her advantage. The British agent wasn't finished. More interesting properties were discovered by accident as he left the feather beside the wash basin in his room during the return trip to London. It seems it both glows by moonlight and when exposed to water. We can find no substance on the feather to explain this. Hmm. A puzzlement. The king tapped his finger against the table, brows drawn together in apparent consideration. One or two of the servants stirred on either side of her, but Pai Lin remained unworried. While some might recognize the feather and the legends attached to it, none but the king himself knew of her presence. After all, it had been ages since a Kinari flew in the kingdom of Siam. They'd all learned to walk among the humans. Surely there must be some scientific explanation, Miss Owens interjected, her words touched with sarcasm. Agent Alvey, however, maintained an admirably polite tone. I assure you, my colleagues and I are well trained in scientific investigation. With a dismissive laugh, Miss Owens shook her head. Really, Mr. Alvey, is tracking down such things the sole purpose of your agency? He went to answer, but Morel Delmort interjected. As interesting as quaint mysteries might be, I'm much more interested in listening to the musical device again. It was to be played at dinner tonight, was it not, Gerald? She asked Ambassador Woodfork. Though the woman didn't address the king directly, Pai Lin ruffled her feathers in annoyance. Tipped in gold as they were, casual onlookers would simply think she'd adjusted her ornate costume. The king raised his hand, and several servants wheeled in the musical device. Pai Lin stood, stepping forward in response to the summons as well. For tonight, a special entertainment. The king gave a grand gesture towards the open floor before the dining table. My very best dancer to perform to the music of this generous gift. 
Appreciative murmurs rose up from the entire table as Pai Lin moved to the center of the open space, her eyes cast to the floor. The British guests had probably never seen the like of her dance costume, the emerald fabric of the long-fitted skirt woven thick with golden threads. Her bodice shone brilliant blue with intricate golden embroidery, and she wore arm cuffs and bracelets of gold. But the true glory of the costume were the snowy white wings extended from her lower back, folded at her hips while her arms were lowered. "'A gorgeous costume!' Miss Owens exclaimed. "'I haven't seen one like that yet!' The king smiled. "'There is much of Siam you have yet to see.' The costume represents one of Siam's legends, a kinari, or bird maiden, a very old myth. The kinari have the shape of a woman, the wings and tail of a bird. It is said that, long ago, a prince married a kinari. She offered her life to save his father, the king, and then flew away. It took the prince many years and many hardships to win her back. You may record that story for your archives, Agent Alvey. His Majesty toyed too much with knowledge better forgotten. Or perhaps it was his way of responding to her, daring to wear her own true wings and tail. Would your Majesty take offense, Alvey began, the corners of his mouth turning upward slightly, if we amend your story with the Kinneries renowned for their grace and movement and speed of flight enabling them to reach mysterious destinations unexplored and undiscovered by ordinary men. All eyes were on Alvy now, and the kings remained locked on him. It is one of my favorite legends from the archives. The king nodded slowly, his smile mirroring Alvy's. We would visit these archives of yours soon. A servant wound the heavy key, and gears turned within the machine. Steam puffed from the pipes as music began to play. Pai Lin began slowly, extending her arms, hands carefully positioned in classic pose. In the traditional dance style of Siam, every movement of the head or even the fingers was purposeful. With each step, her wings flexed and extended further. The melody and harmony intertwined, giving her a path to follow for her dance, matching every pose and transition to the phrasing of the music. A kinnari could dance to any music, and it had been some time since she'd danced in full costume. The joy of it spread through her in a heady rush. Even though she hadn't summoned it consciously, magic came to her call. Invisible to the humans, it flowed around her, and she took a brief moment to revel in it. It was then, steeped in magic summoned by her dance, that she noticed something was wrong. I beg your pardon, your majesty, but there is a faint whirring sound emitting from the machine, Agent Alvey spoke quietly. It wasn't there before. Do you smell almonds? Woodfork, his speech slightly slurred, posed the question to no one in particular. Agent Alvey fumbled in his dinner jacket and drew out a small device from the inner pocket, a tiny bronze cylinder with a strange top. He fitted it into his mouth and over his nose. A weapon? Alarmed, Pai Lin shot to his chair, grabbing his shoulder and hauling him out of his seat. His eyes widened and he pointed wildly to the others seated at the table. 
The king shook his head as if dizzy, and, like a row of dominoes now falling due to the fall of the lead tile, dinner guests adopted the unfocused look of losing consciousness. Morel Delmort was the first to fall, her hair loose of its pins and hiding her face as she slumped across the table. Agent Alvy sucked hard on his handheld device and removed it to speak a single word. Poison! Airborne. It must be, for all to be affected so. Tasters would have found it in the food or drink, and she was immune to most. Pylin leapt over the table to the side of the king. Murmuring an apology, she threw his arm over her shoulder and took hold of his royal person about the waist. Another leap, her wings extended to boost her over magic currents stirred by her dance, and she had him to the door. Bursting through the doors, she stumbled into the hallway, shouting orders to the guards. More than a drop of power backed her commands, and several poured into the dining room, quickly retrieving the other guests. Giving the king to his personal guard, she ordered immediate medical attention, then rushed back into the room. She had a murderer to find. The musical device still played. Steam continued to rise up from the pipes and puffs. Calling on her native elements of air and water, she looked deeper, her magic showing her what a human eye would not see. The poison was in the steam. Her mind was dazzled by the toggles and switches, gears and buttons, a curious, beautiful creation, deadly as well. In a bout of frustration, she leaned her shoulder into it and began pushing it towards the far doors and the open air and breezes of the balcony. Then she recalled her one annoyance with modern marvels, the weight. A second set of hands added their strength to hers, and the music maker, eerie and macabre, now as it spouted death to its own lilting music, began to slide to the balcony. Once outside, Agent Alvy removed the cylinder from his mouth and jammed it deep into the device's gears. The music stopped abruptly, and the locked gears clicked defiantly. The chaps at R&D are going to be quite displeased with me, he muttered as they backed away from the machine. When they turned back to the banquet hall, they saw the first victim of the device, Morel Delmort, wearing an apparatus similar to Avery's. With a grunt, she threw something to the floor and it exploded, creating a wall of white clouds. Pylin swept her arm across the smoke, a whisper of her power parting it like a curtain before them. Morel had apparently escaped through a window. She was now sprinting across the palace grounds. Wretched woman must have faked succumbing to the poison. We can't possibly catch her now. Agent Alvy turned to her. My apologies. I thought it was you plotting to harm the British ambassadors, especially when I saw your costume. You have found your swan feathers, Agent Alvy, and if we are to catch her, we must hurry. What? Pai Lin spread her wings to their full span, snowy white in the moonlight. Hopping up to the window from where the assassin had jumped to freedom, she grabbed the back of Agent Alvy's jacket and tugged him up with her. He'd barely climbed up when she leaped into the darkness. His height and flailing made him awkward for her to carry, so her glide landed at a run several yards short of her target. Quickly! She wouldn't wait for the man if he could not pull himself together in time to be of help. Morel Delmort ran surprisingly well despite her fine gown and cloak. 
or was she wearing a cloak? There was something on her back. The woman hit the palace wall at a shadowed corner and scaled it with ease, her skirts gathered over one arm as she climbed a rope ladder left there. Before Pailin and her new companion reached the walls, a huge triangle of canvas stretched over a metal frame extended from her back. This must have been her magic in escaping the banquet hall. Pailin snagged Agent Alvi under the arms and hoisted him as her wings beat the air in powerful downstrokes. Just as they landed at the top of the palace walls, the Delmort woman made a leap of her own. The glider! Quite the fashion in Paris, I'm told, Alvi quipped. Pailin readied herself to follow, but he stopped her. Wait, where is she escaping to? He reached into his inner jacket again, and Pailin wondered for a wild moment how many gadgets the man had swirled away within it. This time, he pulled out an odd set of goggles, bulky with multiple lenses. Night vision, you see. He pulled them into place over his eyes and flipped down a set of lenses, turning them once they were in place. They must be far-seeing as well, his mouth twisted into a grimace, a submersible there in the river. Brave of them to risk the river at night, but at this time, the tide was high and the moon at full. It was possible and Morel Delmort was gliding over the riverbanks and to her steam-powered escape. I can carry us to the submersible, but I cannot promise the return. Like Delmort, gliding from the height of the palace walls would be elementary. A launch from the submersible, with his bulk added? Do you think we can stop them? Avery pulled out a revolver. My long, my rue. She took a hold under his arms and launched carrying them both in a wild dizzying descent. You never know until you try, Agent Alvi. As they sat down on the top of the submarine's hull, gunfire erupted from its sole tower. Alvi returned fire. Tucking her wings close to her sides, Pai Lin took shelter behind him. Bollocks! Alvi pulled something out of his bottomless pockets and she heard the strike of a match. The smell of sulfur touched the air. Alvi drew back his arm and threw something at the tower. And then he turned to her. Quickly now, we've got to go. Even if we land in the water, get us as far away as you can. She obliged. Just as she rose above the submarine, desperately flapping her wings for lift, a huge explosion went off. Heedless of the flying bits of metal, Pai Lin spread her wings wide, catching the heated updraft and carrying them upward and away. Watching the flames, she couldn't help thinking of another proverb. What does that one mean? Alvi shouted up to her over the flap of her wings as she carried them back to the shore. Run away from a tiger and face a crocodile. He laughed as they both looked down at the submersible's tower in flames. In a few minutes, they were standing back on the palace walls, watching the thing head down the river toward open water. Even if they manage to put out the fires, they are too damaged to submerge. Alvi nodded in satisfaction. Did you get her? She had seen Delmort at the hatch on top of the tower, shooting at them. I think so, Alvi frowned. I can't be sure. She ducked as she saw me throw, but I believe it likely I did. Pailin ruffled her feathers. She disliked uncertainty. But there wasn't much more to be done. The murder attempt had been thwarted and the culprit chased out of Siam.
their fire disappearing into the night. The king and his household were safe. For the moment. Might I have your name, lady? She stared at him in surprise. A proper introduction? After near death, several times over? What a peculiar human. Still, he'd earned at least her name. Pai Lin. And you stress the first syllable? Pai Lin? Agent Alvy took care to repeat her name properly. Smiling, she nodded. A pleasure, Miss Pai Lin. He gave her a slight bow. She took a step away, and he held up a hand. Wait. Might I ask you a few questions? Hesitating, she ruffled her feathers. Please. Folding her wings to her side, she nodded. If he didn't get his answers, he might ask questions in the palace. Part of the reason she had been so effective for so long was her anonymity as a servant. If people thought too hard about her, memories would clear. You are obviously here to protect the king. Why? An intelligent question, and fair. Long ago, Agent Alvi, a prince of Siam married. His bride was not only a Kinari, but a princess among her people. It is in honor of that bond that my king sent me to guard the king of Siam and his household. And the man killed during the last visit of a British delegation? Do you bear ill will towards the British? Also a good question. He was sent to kill Miss Owens. And as much as Pylan disliked the woman, she was important to the future of Siam. Miss Owens falls under my protection as well. But you do all this in secret, he asked. Only the king knows of me, she said. There is a touch of magic the Kinnari possess that will cloud memories of those who look upon me. The royal guards tonight will remember someone had directed them, but their own minds would fill in a logical explanation. No one would remember a Kinnari. I see, Agent Alvey rubbed his forehead. Truly, a mythic creature stands before me, and I have no idea what else to say. Pailin fluffed, and then resettled her feathers. Say nothing. If you give me your word, I will not cloud your memory. She should remove the memory of their dearing do, but she liked Alvi. Using her power on him would fill her with regret. I must be completely honest, Miss Pailin. I must make a detailed report for our archives. Agent Alvi held out his hands. But our archives are completely confidential. Only ministry agents have access, and then only if researching a case. Your secret is safe with the Ministry of Peculiar Occurrences. Upon that, I can give you my word. Skeptical, Pylin tilted her head. And your archives, they are secure? More secure than you would ever believe, my lady. Through the course of the evening, Agent Alvi had shown her various wonders of Western technology. Moreover, he had carried himself with courage and honor, acting quickly and not wasting time. A man of lesser fortitude might have fainted in shock at the realization that her rings were real. Without him and his surprising arsenal of gadgets, she might have been shot out of the sky in pursuit of Morel del Mort. If you'd like, you could record your account of tonight's events. Alvi made the offer. I would be happy to attach it to my report. A generous offer, and one she would take. 
Like the King of Siam, her king too looked to make allies with the British. A gift for you, then. Pailin removed a ring from her little finger, to keep with your report in your impressive archive. Should you or another agent return to Siam, bring it with you. Agent Alvey took the tiny golden ring carefully, peering at it in curiosity. Why? The Kinari are long-lived, Agent Alvey, and we have long memories. Should you return, you will be recognized as a friend. Others would recognize this ring? There are no markings. Pailin smiled again. It is the wedding ring of Menorah, the bird princess of the king's story. Any Kinari would know it. Place it in a cup of water, and it will purify the water. Amazing! Alvi held up the ring to the moonlight, and it shone for him, shining more than normal gold would. Abruptly, he looked back at Pailin. Why do you have the bird princess's ring? She laughed. <laughs> do you think another king would send just anyone to protect the king of Siam, Agent Alvi? His brow furrowed but only for a moment. He smiled, almost as bright as the gold ring in his hand, and then gave a deep, respectful bow. But of course, your grace. Therefore, Pailin said, laying her fingertips on his sleeve, indulge me as I tell for your archives a story of a direct descendant of Manora far from her home in the forests and mountains of the Himapon, and how a king and his court is protected in secret by the only swan in Siam. Schneider is an author of paranormal and sci-fi romance, urban fantasy, and steampunk. Born and raised in the Northeast, PJ spent her childhood pretending to study for the SATs by reading every fantasy and sci-fi novel she could borrow from the local and school libraries. She scored fairly high in the verbal portion. She was introduced to the wonderful world of romance a decade later by her best friend at an anime convention in Seattle. PJ now lives somewhere temperate, watching the seasons go by with her big dogs and super stealthy ninja kitty, writing her stories, and is very happy to have been able to share her Thai heritage with the Ministry of Peculiar Occurrences. Find out more about PJ and her books at pjschneider.com. Theme music composed and performed by Alex White. Find out more at thegearheart.com. Com. For more from the Ministry of Peculiar Occurrences, pre-audio copy of The Janus Affair, a Ministry of Peculiar Occurrences novel, or order Phoenix Rising, a Ministry of Peculiar Occurrences novel from your favorite bookstore, or online from Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, the iBookstore, or the Science Fiction Book Club. This podcast is protected by the Creative Commons Attribution, non-commercial, share-alike 3.0 license. For more information, visit creativecommons.org. Tales from the Archives. And Imagine That Studios, Koru Studios, Harper Voyager Production. I'm T. Morris. And I'm Philippa Ballantyne. Thank, Thank you, you for, for listening. listening.